Six years ago, world leaders met to hammer out a historic deal, the Paris Climate Accord. They pledged to slash their carbon emissions to try to head off the worst effects of global warming. There was also another pledge included in that agreement. Richer nations promised money to poorer ones to fight climate change. Specifically, they promised $100 billion a year. But there was a problem. They didn't deliver. Now, world leaders are meeting at another climate conference called COP26. Good evening from Glasgow, where world leaders have attended the opening ceremony of the Global Climate Summit. The annual summit is considered especially pivotal this year. Experts say the clock is ticking and that nations need to act fast to prevent catastrophe. We must make progress here in Glasgow. In Glasgow, world leaders are pushing for even bigger emissions cuts to meet the goals set in Paris. But something's getting in the way. That broken $100 billion promise. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, November 4th. Coming up on the show, the fight over the price of climate change and who has to foot the bill. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. For decades, nations have held meetings to try to find ways to slow climate change. And in those early talks, attention became apparent. Developed nations were responsible for most of the carbon emissions heating the planet, but they'd need developing nations' help to fix the problem. Here's our colleague, Matthew Dalton. Developed countries, you know, understood that there was a question of fairness there, that developed countries had spent nearly two centuries burning fossil fuels unchecked as they accumulated wealth. And now they were trying to get the developing countries to not do that, and it was going to make their development harder. The solution developed countries came up with was money. If rich nations wanted poorer nations to move away from fossil fuels, those rich countries would need to pay for it. They knew the developing countries were not going to come along without this money. What was the money supposed to be for? The money is supposed to go to two big things. It's supposed to, A, help developing countries adopt low-carbon energy technologies, so solar energy, wind turbines, geothermal power. And it was supposed to help them pay to adapt to the effects of climate change, which are already there and already present. Countries already suffering from climate change could use the money to relocate communities, to build cyclone-resistant housing, or to construct seawalls. But developing countries argued that there was also a moral case for the money. Their argument went like this. 
This is money that is due to them because of the emissions from the wealthy countries that have caused the planet to warm. You could almost consider it a form of reparations. It is not aid, it's not charity. It's something that they're owed. There have been some countries in the Pacific Islands that have been talking about leaving the island completely to, to another territory because the nation is so low-lying that they can no longer feasibly live there. So it's that kind of thing, you know, for countries that are in that position and other developing countries say, look, this money is compensation for harm that you have caused. So how did developed countries come up with like a price tag, like an actual dollar amount that they should give developing countries? Well, in 2009, at a climate summit in Copenhagen, then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton proposed that the developed countries would provide $100 billion a year by 2020 for the developing countries. And this number didn't really come from anywhere. It was adopted because it was kind of a big round number. Clinton floated that big round number in 2009. And in 2015, it became a central part of the Paris Accord. The bet was that $100 billion was enough to show developing countries that richer countries like the U.S. were serious about helping them move away from fossil fuels. But even though rich countries made the pledge, they never planned to pay for it all themselves. They planned to get help. No democratically elected government in the West is going to devote, let's say, 20% of its entire government budget to funding the energy transition in the developing world. You're talking about numbers that, politically speaking, would be not feasible at all for any country to undertake. So that's why you need to get the private sector involved. The private sector. Rich countries thought that investors, pension funds, banks would help them get to that $100 billion total. And in some ways, that made sense. Private investors were already pouring money into green projects. The problem was, those projects weren't in developing countries. Right now, pension funds and insurance companies and other fairly conservative investors are funding solar farms and wind parks and all kinds of renewable energy infrastructure in the U.S. and Europe. It's a very comfortable investment for them. What they're not yet willing to do is to send that money into the developing world. But rich countries thought they could change that by making projects in the developing world just a little bit more attractive to investors. They did this in a few ways. They invested some public money in these projects, and they also promised to be first up to eat any losses. So this government money is going to absorb the first losses if a renewable energy project blows up or if it's taken by the government. This is their protection. Developed countries were optimistic this could work, that for every dollar individual governments spent, several dollars of private investment would follow. But those hopes didn't exactly pan out. Did rich countries hit that $100 billion goal? No, they didn't hit it. They only raised about $80 billion in 2020. And the main reason is because the private sector didn't step up as expected. In 2020, the developed countries fell short of their promise 
by about $20 billion. So heading into this conference in Glasgow, did developed countries realize that this broken financial promise was going to be a problem for them? Yeah. The UK, which is chairing the meeting, they knew that the $100 billion was not met in 2020. It was pretty clear to everyone. So to deal with all of the political problems in the negotiations that that fact created, they write a report saying, this is how we're going to give you your $100 billion annually. This report, published by the UK, was partly a public accounting of just how far developed nations had fallen short on their pledge. But it also made a promise. Essentially, your money is coming. By 2023, developed nations would hit their annual target of $100 billion. It said, yes, we're not going to hit the $100 billion until 2023, but we will over-deliver and uh, across our heart, we're going to deliver um, the total amount of money that we were supposed to. No interest payment. Just kidding. Like, yeah, yeah crisscross, <laughs> like we cross our heart. We, we're sorry we owe you 20 billion bucks, but you'll get it. Yeah, it's like, and pretty please, can we just be nice to each other in Glasgow and try and deal with this climate emergency that, that we're facing? Coming up, how that broken $100 billion promise is getting in the way of being nice. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. At COP26, world leaders have a big task in front of them. They're pushing for more emissions cuts so they can meet the climate goals set in Paris. You could argue that it's the most ambitious collaborative effort ever attempted by mankind. You're talking about more than 190 different governments that have all kinds of different interests, different levels of development that are trying to come together to do the same thing, more or less. I think being face-to-face is very important because there's no way to compel one country or another country to take action. It's all got to be about trust and mutual self-interest. That's what the negotiations are about. But trust has been in short supply, especially after developed countries failed to reach their $100 billion goal. Failure to provide the critical finance and that of loss and damage is measured, my friends, in lives and livelihoods in our communities. This is immoral, and it is unjust. 
That was the prime minister of Barbados calling out rich countries in her remarks in Glasgow on Monday. And Matthew says that lack of trust is impacting one of the most important discussions happening at COP. One of the big issues in Glasgow is how much money are the developed countries going to provide after 2025? So in Paris, they agreed to provide $100 billion annually from 2020 to 2025 and then come up with a new target that was going to be more. And one of the big things is they're trying to figure out how they start negotiating on this new target. One of the loudest voices on this issue has been India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Addressing COP on Monday, Modi specifically referenced the broken promises of the past. He said that the developed world's climate finance promises have been hollow. Friends, this Then he put out a figure of his own. He quickly asked for one trillion dollars. One trillion dollar ka climate finance And Modi isn't the only one floating a big number. Other countries are pitching their own figures for how much the developed world should pay. So South Africa at a negotiating session in July before COP said, we have a number, $750 billion a year in climate finance that would be mobilized starting in 2030 and going forward. Then all of the African nations together said, we developing countries need $1.3 trillion a year starting in 2030. More developing nations have joined that call for $1.3 trillion, including China and Indonesia. Why does this ask keep going up? It's going up because everybody understands that the true cost of the developing world making this transition to cleaner technologies and also to protect themselves from the effects of global warming. Everybody understands that that cost is going up. We're talking about trillions of dollars a year. Those figures were not necessarily apparent in previous years. And how are developed countries responding to these much higher numbers? The developed world is greeting these demands with more or less, are you kidding me? We can't even get together $100 billion for you guys, and now we're supposed to to do this? Sort of more formally, they're saying, this meeting, we're not supposed to be settling on a number at this meeting. We don't want to talk about a number yet. First, we have to talk about how we get potentially at some point to a number. And developing countries say, uh, no, we want to talk about a number. We want something concrete from you guys. So it remains to be seen how that's going to shake out in the two weeks to come. This idea that rich countries need to pay poor countries for climate change has been at the basis of these talks for decades. And yet, there hasn't been the follow-through. Do you think that could change? Yes, because the science behind climate change has become much more certain. Public recognition that climate change is real and is a problem has become much more certain. And that means that the pressure on rich world governments to do something about it and to throw lots of money behind the problem is much greater. And I think there is a lot of public support and public recognition for getting 
the developing world on the right low-carbon trajectory. That's completely different than it was 30, 40 years ago. That's a huge change. That's all for today, Thursday, November 4th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.